What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone, welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, the the news broke. Uh, the, the kind of the layoff since last week with Kellen Grady and all that news. Devin Askew, Travis Branham, 24-7 Sports reported that Devin Askew will be transferring from Kentucky and entering his name into the transfer portal. Yeah, and this is a... Uh... A speculated move that had happened despite, you know, evidence to the contrary that his dad had said that he thought, or not that he thought, just that Devin would be locked. I don't remember the exact report from KSR, but um, all along, I think, I think everybody had kind of kept an eye on him. And this is not a surprising move by, by any means. Not at all. Uh, I've thought that this was going to happen for weeks now. How many times in the last couple of weeks, Derek, have we talked about that there was no press release sent out by UK with any of these decisions, which kind of told me that the roster attrition and constructing this roster, it, it was nowhere near complete. And I just wasn't buying into it because, like I said, last year when Keon Brooks announced he was coming back, he didn't even declare for the draft and got an entire press release written out with quotes from him and quotes from Cal. We haven't gotten that yet with any of these guys. That's why I wasn't locked in until I saw names on an official roster from UK. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And just the playing time, it didn't make sense. If if Askew was not going to be a point guard next year, and I think John Calipari obviously realized he could not go into next season with Devin Askew as his, as his priority point guard. So Nolan Hickman, we all know he's signed. He'll be an option. This, I mean, they're they're going to land a, a point guard transfer. I don't know who it is. This is not me even knowing and not being able to say anything. Like, I don't know who it's going to be. I just tell you, like, this move doesn't happen probably unless something is coming down that way. And then, you know, other people on Twitter, other writers, other entertainment people, you know, saying that they think it probably means Mintz come, is coming back, and I would agree with that. Uh, I think that would be logical. So right now, Sean, you're sitting at a spot where if you're Devin Askew, you know, you probably wouldn't be a top two option at point because Hickman will, will be the backup point guard or he'll compete for a starting job. But I would imagine if they bring in a transfer point guard, he's going to get, you know, priority starting. Then you got Kellen Grady and Davion Mintz as the other guards. And Dante Allen's also there. So you'd be competing at best, would you agree, what, for a backup shooting guard role next year? So yeah. who knows how many minutes that would lead to. Um this is a move that if he wants to go back, like there are probably programs on the West Coast that will welcome him in, and he can probably play the uh, 28.9 minutes a game <laughs> that he played at Kentucky, which would probably be going down to about 8.9 next year, if I had to guess, had he stayed here. So I think this is a smart move by him, and I don't, I don't see this as being a transfer that 
and I mean, I could be eating my words this time next year, but I don't, I don't see him having that Johnny Juzang year two type. I mean, I think Devin Askew is a for sure multi-year college guard who has a very good work ethic that we've all heard about. So I think at some point he will make an impact at the program. I just don't think at Kentucky that accelerate. I just think he was going to have a hard time cracking the rotation next year. And for that reason, if you can go back to the West Coast or wherever he's thinking about going and and get a little bit more immediate playing time, I think it makes sense. It does. It makes sense for both sides. And now, honestly, it, it makes sense in my mind the way that they're going to try to construct this backcourt together. It, it makes so much more sense because we were looking at this thing thinking, how in the world are you going to go into a year where you're – we we believe Davion Mintz is coming back. This kind of makes me believe it's about 99.9% now that he's coming back and that they're going to add another piece. They have Nolan Hickman. You've added Kellen Grady, Dante Allen. It just did not make sense when you look at the roster. And we still don't know what Keon Brooks is going to do. Like there were so many pieces there that I'm thinking, how do some of these guys say, yeah, I want to come back and not know if it's even going to be any different? Like are they going to play fewer minutes? Or are they going to play more minutes? And how many times this year, Derek, did I have to say I'm not being I'm not getting personal when it comes to Devin Askew? I bet I've said it fifty times on this podcast. Yeah. And and it, and I wasn't. I was just being honest with what I saw. There have been a few guys that have come to Kentucky and they weren't good enough to be at Kentucky. Devin Askew, I I honestly thought was one of those guys. I just didn't think that he was what John Calipari in this program has had at that position. And even though it was going to be sophomore version of Devin Askew, I didn't see it changing that much. Yeah. And, you know, think about this way with with Devin. I think he's just the kind of player that it became evident early on um, that he was going to need time. And I think with this transfer rule and what Calipari, I mean, we have a season at 9-16. and 16, Calipari knows he's got to come back next year. And, I mean, you can't have anything remotely resembling this. And Askew is the kind of guy that, like, to me his value would be potentially his junior year. But you think about the minutes he could get, Sean, like how how much progression would there be next year if he was playing? I don't know. Let's say this. Let's say had, had he come back and they had added more guys a point guard or whatever, how many minutes do you think Askew would have played next year on average? If they had added a point guard? Let's say they added a point guard and Mintz came back. So the scenario we all think is going to happen. Ten minutes, maybe. So how much progression would there be in ten minutes? Like, I think just for when you can go anywhere else and play next year and help somebody right away and keep your development. Like, I just think it makes a lot of sense for Devin to do that. And I think it makes sense for UK. To be quite honest, like, I think come next year when Grady's gone, when Mintz is gone, when whoever this transfer point guard is who might be gone, Hickman will probably, I would think as of now, Hickman will probably be back for another year. But think about this. I mean, I think you'll be able to go to the portal and get another kid just as good or if not better than ask you again next year. So, like, I don't yeah. see a scenario where he would just have to improve so much to be in a spot where he was going to be kind of locked in for playing time. Honestly, I see him, and I don't, you know, nobody saw John. I guess that's one point I did want to bring up. How much do you think Juzang leaving and having quite a bit of success somewhere else, do you think that played in his mind at all, or do you think this was something that was, was just going to be happening no matter what? I think it plays a little, obviously, especially when you see Johnny having the moments that he had on that stage. Now, not every 
transfer is going to end up having the Johnny Juzang experience. I mean, I, I don't think, Derek, when we were sitting there last year covering Kentucky, that we would think Johnny Juzang would be on a, and playing in a Final Four on another roster if no. it wasn't Kentucky. But with that being fresh, I do think that maybe that is on his mind. But also, I think this was something that was coming. Whether Devin wanted this to happen or not, it just felt like that this was a conversation that was going to happen. I think that this tells us that those conversations maybe are occurring now and those meetings that we've been talking about, how many meetings have they had with guys? Maybe it was the NBA draft decisions first, and then it came, you know, where these other guys stand with the program. And I just look at it as it just makes – it makes a ton of sense for both sides. It makes a ton of sense for Devin Askew. It makes a ton of sense for Kentucky. Uh, it's a family, Derek, that – one of the families I got the closest to. I mean, it sucks. I, I hate it. But at the same time, there was no way John Calipari was going into next season, I think, with the similar thing that happened this year. I just don't think Devin showed any ability to play the one. He lacks the burst and the wiggle to get by his man, which is a significant problem if you're trying to be a point guard. And he didn't shoot it consistently enough off the ball to even carve out a role there. And I don't know if he would have going into next year. I don't think it's, so. It's just a better fit somewhere else. Sometimes you get situations where it's a bad fit. And this was the case similar to Quad A Green. I just think that it was a bad fit. We saw Quad A Green get moved off the ball and that was not going to be beneficial for him. Uh, let Devin go somewhere where he can be a point guard, and I, I don't know. Like some some program will be very glad to have Devin Askew. Like that's that's no knock on Devin at all. But the routing was on the wall, Derek, during a press conference earlier this year when John Calipari was asked about Askew's minutes, and he pretty much said there was no other option. That kind of told me that I didn't think there was a place for Devin in this program moving forward at least not on this roster. If there was, it was going to be sit and wait, and then what happens junior year, we don't know. Yeah, and think about it, I'm just thinking about the optics point. Like, if you, if you can believe this, Sean, um, obviously, like, I, I'm just checked the, the Cat's Paws message board, obviously where I work, and I already got people talking about this being next year's Juzang. Not, not a Kentucky fan that said that. I think a Louisville fan. But – I could see this being more of a uh, – I don't know if I would want to say that I could see Askew averaging 15 a game. So, like, Quade Green averaged 15.4 this year for Washington. Did you hear anything about Quade Green this year? No. Like, I Nothing. think that could be a Devin Askew type thing, like where he goes somewhere else, has a nice career. Maybe by the time he's a junior or senior, it could, if he's a point guard, then I guess, you know, you wouldn't necessarily – Count on him to lead the team, but I think he could be a good floor general. Maybe he, you know, makes an NCAA tournament or two with wherever he decides to go to. I don't see this being a deal where, I mean, this Juzang stuff is just a perfect scenario <laughs> where you have Kentucky's worst team in 100 years and then and an 11 seed UCLA gets, goes crazy in the tournament and they're led by this, you know, Southern California kid who didn't quite work out at UK. But again, I just, I just don't think the situations are the same at all. Like, I think there were plenty of people last year who saw the promise in Johnny Juzang that wanted him to be back. I don't get that vibe with Askew. Again, a hardworking kid, could be a good player. Seems a little bit more obvious that he should leave. That's just my opinion compared to someone like Juzang last year who, you know, Juzang's whole thing, though, man, and I don't, I don't necessarily blame Cal. I mean, he 
thought he had two great shooting guards coming in, and it mm-hmm. just didn't work out that way. And then he went out and showed how good he was at UCLA, and that's, that was to UCLA's benefit. But this was uh, – I was curious if this would actually go down, though, Sean, because there have been rumors with him uh, and his, his, his family and, and things like that, just people reaching out and kind of behind the scenes trying to do some connections to some other schools. Uh, I, I heard that from two different sources that, you know, he had reached out to at least one of UK's rivals, that the team he considered out of high school, and nothing came of it. Well, it didn't seem like anything came of it anyway. But do you think you think he's out of school in mind already? I would say so. I, don't I would, know. yeah, I would say so, for sure. I, I think there's a school in mind. I, I don't know who that school will be. I don't think it'll be the one that you're re- referring to there. At least I don't think it will be. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. And let me say this too about Devin. Um, he, this is where I don't think fans should should pile onto the kid because. We all know he had the comments, even during the season, I think, where he was talking about how he was built different than other kids from the West Coast. He wasn't going to leave. I, I would say don't pile on the kid for that because it's some of those things he said was before the season actually played out, and obviously no one thought that the year was going to go the way that it did. Like I think this is a really smart decision for him, to be honest with you. To like look past the whole – because to me, I think he's kind of setting his pride aside a little bit because he knows he said those things, and I think in his mind he – he didn't think that he would have the kind of adversity that he faced at Kentucky, but it is a smart decision for him to go find somewhere else where he will fit better. And if that means he gets poked fun at by some UK fans for some of the comments, like whatever, I just don't think that's really – I don't hold it against the kid at all. Like I don't think it's, you know, easy to poke fun at, I get, but I think for him it's the right decision. It is. And and there's one thing that we could always say about Devin Askew is he played hard and he hustled, Derek. But I'm going to tell you about a different form of hustle, Derek. And this is for people who are thinking about hosting their own podcast. There's no better place than our own distributor, Blue Wire Pods. And let me tell you about Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other... Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to me and Derek talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join or check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of today's business and economic news. 
We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Eric, you and I talked before we got on here recording about the impact that this decision with Devin Askew has on Dante Allen and some other pieces on this roster. Now you kind of see it all playing out, right? You're, if Davion Mintz does indeed come back, there's a guy that can slot over and play the one if you need him to, but he's going to pee off the ball. Uh, you have Kellen Grady. They're off the ball. Nolan Hickman coming in. We expect Kentucky to add a point guard. Uh, that was one of the things that I talked about on the, the rundown episode when Justin Powell went to Tennessee is I didn't think Justin Powell was what they needed to go along with Kellen Grady and these other pieces. It Whether they added Justin Powell or not, the glaring weakness of having someone that's not capable of getting by someone was still there. I think that's what they're going to add. But what do you think this that this does for Dante Allen and some of these guys who – would have been sitting there fighting with Devin Askew for minutes. Well, the way I see it, I guess, like, depending on where Bryce Hopkins fits in, perhaps he's a three. I mean, I just kind of want to see how Cal uses that position next year. But I could see him, you know, as of now, Hickman, when he's playing off the bench, perhaps he could play off the ball a little bit. But I would think he's going to be the backup point guard. That's just how I see it right now. So, I mean, for Dante, as of now, you don't really have anybody else there. I don't think Dante's going to start, obviously. I think it'll be Mintz and Grady who pair with the point guard, but I see quite a few minutes for him. Um, perhaps Bryce Hopkins is used at the three, so I might just leave him in that spot. But I honestly thought, and I was telling someone this before we got on here, like I, I truly thought that if Askew stuck around, Cal was going to give him a chance. And I, it was not going to be a point guard, in my opinion. So, I mean, if you view Dante as a two or a three, I think he could play either. It doesn't really matter. Um, but I, I see more minutes probably for him there, but I don't know how many that will be because we need to see how much he improves, first of all. If he gets to a spot where you know he shows he can really uh, affect the game in, in different ways, then I could see a bigger role for him. But even if his role next year is just to come off the bench and hit shots, like that's kind of my thing I'll come back to. Like I think he will do that role better than Askew would have done that role. Yeah, And that's another reason why he should probably go ahead and go. Um, and obviously he is. But for Dante, I mean, I – I think some people will look at it and say, well, that probably shouldn't really affect it any. But I, in my mind, I think it kind of does. Like, as I think, I think he would have been competing with Askew for playing time next year. Um, and with him gone, I mean, I don't see a scenario, I don't think, where UK would add another off-the-ball guard. I just, just think they probably have enough as it is if there's some confidence in Dante and what he can do. So, overall, I would say good news for Dante. But, again, I could see where people – think it would be a very minimal impact so either way um either way I, 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 I could listen to an argument either way basically if someone thought it was great for Dante or if someone thought eh this doesn't really mean too much yeah, I could say making sense so I, I'll ask you this so obviously you know you, you you were mentioning you know the rumors that kind of started circulating well reports that Devin's family or that Devin and them reached out to other programs there was also another name that was thrown out there too that possibly was reaching out or about transferring and stuff. I just don't think this is done yet, Derek, when it comes to guys transferring. I just I'm still I just have a gut feeling that there might be one more. I just don't know who to that's why I've just been saying like you just can't until UK officially says something, 
I'm not going to buy into who's on this roster until an official release comes out because that's the thing, right? I, I think do I think Devin Askew wanted to be at Kentucky next year? I do, but I think when it came down to it, John Calipari is not going. He's going to be transparent with these guys about the plan, and I'm sure that names or maybe just situations have been mentioned. And I think then it comes down to these kids saying, well, you know, I, I want to be here, but when it comes down to me making a, a decision for myself, maybe I should go somewhere else. Like, I don't think that Devin ever at any point did not want to be at Kentucky. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think, I mean, he was the kid last year who had the photo of him when he was like 10 years old with Cal. Yeah. First, him, yeah. I think it was his dream to play here and, he did. He got to do that for a year, albeit under you know, terrible circumstances. With the team wasn't very good. It was in the, in the middle of the pandemic. Like it was, a, I'm sure it was a very difficult year for him. For his sake, I hope that whatever it was that he got out of the season will will, will help him. I, I think that for all those kids, not just him. I mean, even the guys who have decided to go to the NBA. Like, I feel bad that they didn't get you know a good experience at Kentucky. Probably the worst, obviously the worst season since 1927 and throwing all the other things that they had to deal with. I mean, I'm sure it was a rough time in their lives. I said, as it is to say, um, but yeah, I just think moving on, Sean, I just, is it, is it time to, if a kid's not going to be able, because it seems like they've not got like a for sure one and done from the West coast. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody off the top of my head, but like, is it time to maybe move on from getting those guys out there? That's actually what I was going to bring up because someone actually uh, tweeted at me and tagged you in it as well. Yeah, I don't know if you're probably seeing the same tweet that I'm seeing, mentioning Juzang, Marcus Lee, Baker, Wiltger, now ask you. I think it is. The, I think the only way that you take a kid from that part of the country, again, is if if they're just elite. Like Devin Askew wasn't considered an elite recruit. Like There was no – I don't think at any point in his recruitment – leading up to him being at Kentucky, did anyone think that he was going to work his way into a one-and-done situation? Uh, I think that's the only way you take those guys, is if you know, okay, you're getting an elite talent who is going to be able to play and produce, and there's no red flags or question marks about their game. I, I don't know how Kentucky missed on Devin as a point guard when it came to starting your season with Devin Askew, a reclass guy, and then you had to go get Davion Mintz for wow. an insurance piece. That That's the thing that gets me. Someone's evaluation of guys is, is, has been off at times, and I just don't see – he's the same guy that he was in the EYBL, Derek. He was the same guy that couldn't beat people off the bounce then, and I, I just don't understand. I, I Honestly, it was one that I never really understood. Yeah, I don't know what it is about – ask you that caused him to be rated so high I don't I don't do that for a living those guys typically in my opinion they're they're very good and I'm not just trying to carry water for a company that I work for I mean I truly think like it's pretty rare that you just get a a guy just rated so horribly I mean it happens but I mean it's just part of it but you can just kind of tell right away with Devin that and this is not to be mean I just don't know anything that he particularly does well at this stage of his career but he is a reclassified freshman who played in the middle of a pandemic. Like, do I think Devin will get much better? Yeah, I really do. I just – it just makes sense, like we've been saying. Go go somewhere where you can be more comfortable, where you will have time. Like, I think that's a real thing sometimes at Kentucky. Like, 
you know, when you know that UK can go out and get a top shooting guard every year from the transfer portal or potentially from the high school ranks, it's hard probably to see yourself as a development piece in a program. I think that's what he was going to become. And it wasn't a good sign for him that he had already been moved off the ball towards the end of the year and that his playing time was going down. So, And two, their commitment to him and his minutes this year, Derek, had nothing to do with being committed to his development. It did not. Yeah. It had more to do with they had no other option. I mean, face it, Terrence Clark wasn't there. If Terrence Clark had been there and been healthy, Devin Askew probably would have been playing for the majority of the season, the minutes that he played down the stretch. I think that that would have changed the amount he played. Obviously, B.J. Boston wasn't good for a very lengthy stretch of the season. Uh, Davion Mintz, really their only reliable option in the backcourt. I don't think that him playing the number of minutes he did had anything to do with them being committed to developing him long-term. I think it had more to do with they got in a situation where they had no option. If I would have been on this U.K. roster, I I bet I'd have played 15 minutes (laughs) at point guard. That's how bad it was in the backcourt. I don't want to get into, like, I think during the season when we talked about next year, one, you kind of have to do it because it's not good. I don't like getting in the business of saying who should leave. I mean, do I have opinions? Sure. I have opinions like anybody else who watches the basketball team or football team. But it is poor form, I think, to, like, say someone should leave, do things like that, and, like, did I think during the season that Askew would be much, much better next year and could be their point guard option? Like, no. Did I think if he moved off the ball, could he play some kind of role next year? Yeah. But if there is anything unfortunate, but, like, it goes with what you're saying, though. He averaged 28 minutes per game because he kind of had to. Like, no one thought that he was out there for performance, that he was playing so well, that he had to be out there. Um, but, Sean, as it is, if you if you do want to take a look at at the minutes played this year. Um, as of now, we don't know what Mintz is going to do. I'm going to lean towards saying he comes back. He led the team in minutes, then B.J. Boston was second, Askew third, and then Star fourth. So nine and 16 year. You're already looking at three of the top four guys gone. Brooks is next at uh, – he's fifth, so he's, he's still got to see what he's going to do. But I, I came to agree with my friend Nick uh, Nick Gray, though, when he was talking. And at a certain point, I started to agree with him that when a team went 9-16, and 16, maybe it's not such a bad thing that a lot of these guys were gone. And that's, that lo- certainly looks like it's going to be the case, that the majority of the guys who who played a lot of minutes this year won't be back next year and they're – Hoping for better. So now you're going to be looking at a backcourt next year. I don't know who the transfer point guard will be, but it certainly probably will not be a young guy. It'll be someone who's got some years on him in the college game. And if Mintz comes back, I mean, you got Mintz, Grady, and, and another old guy with a sophomore guard backing up and a freshman point guard. So experience should not be a problem on next year's team. And it wasn't going to be anyway. I mean, if Askew came back, obviously you just had a guy who played a lot of minutes in the college game. So – I think that might be appealing to another team, though, don't you? Whoever wants to take them. It, no, it will be, and and that's the thing. Like, I don't want to sit here and say that and act like Devin Askew's not a a good basketball player. Like he he's Division One level, Derek. I just didn't think with what Kentucky wants to do and how Kentucky what they expect from their guards, it just wasn't a good fit for him. And But it's Kentucky, right? I mean, all these kids that have come here and it hasn't been a good fit, it's still Kentucky. Every kid wants their – I mean, how many times have we done things in our lives, Derek, that 
it was appealing because it was something. But once we got in, involved with it, we saw that it wasn't for us. Yeah. And maybe we didn't perform or do something to the level that we expected to do. But yet we we still are successful in what we do. We go somewhere else and do something. I mean, it could be a job or it could be with a job or anything. I, I, that's what I look at with this. I, I do think that Devin Askey is going to go somewhere. And I think that he's going to play a lot of minutes. And I think he's going to end up having a very successful career and putting himself in position to to be the best version of himself. I, I wish him nothing but the best. His family, Brian, that's a relationship that I built and had multiple conversations. I hate to see it. I, I mean, I felt I – mean, I wrote story after story on him last spring. And I hate to see it come to an end like this, but that's the that's the thing, right? This This is a business, even though these guys aren't getting paid. It's still a business. For sure. Yeah and, I, said. yeah, and I just think that when it comes down to it, sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do. But I do think that Devin Askew will be better because of this. Yep, I agree with that. I'll be curious. It seems like, you know, obviously college basketball comes to an end tonight. I don't know if we've said this or not, but when we started recording this, it was just reports that Askew had entered the portal, but it is official now. Um and by the time anybody listens to this, he is officially in the portal. Um, but obviously Gonzaga and Baylor play tonight. The college season will be over. I got to think anyone with an NBA decision, maybe this won't change too much. But in terms of other college guys, I think things are going to accelerate pretty quick here soon. You'll, you'll pretty much have a pretty good idea of whoever's in the portal, things like that. I'm thinking, Sean, I don't know this. This is totally just me guessing. I don't have any inside info. Like, I'm going to say we hear a few more things this week. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't maybe tomorrow I don't know if there's anything else today. Hopefully not because we're almost done recording this now. <laughs> and well, whatever is to happen, I hope that it happens later. Maybe tomorrow we can have something else to talk about tomorrow. And I and I don't want anyone to take what I said earlier about that I think that there might be another transfer as something happening or something I'm hearing. I, I'm just looking at this as how Cal plays this, the how Cal fills this roster out. If they go add another front court piece, like I know some people have mentioned then I could see a front court piece leaving. Like there's, I mean, we don't see as big of a log jam there. Now the backcourt is kind of clear, right? You got Davion Mintz, if he comes back, you got Nolan Hickman, you got Dante Allen, you got Kellen Grady. Now you can see them adding one more and all those guys, one through three, you could see them all playing at mm-hmm. some point. And then the front court, we obviously, Lance Ware has said that he's coming back. Uh, Oscar Shubway is there. Jacob Toppin has said that he's coming back. We're still waiting on a decision from Keon Brooks. Bryce Hopkins is there. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, we don't know what happens with that. I mean, if they add a piece, then I guess that kind of tells me that there might they might get to a third transfer, obviously joining uh, Devin Askew and Cameron Fletcher. We, we did say that we were confident with two, though, back a few weeks ago. We've got to that. Do you think we get to three? Three more transfers? No, a third, because we've, we've got to two now with Fletcher and Askew. Do you think it gets to three, or do you think that oh, that's it for transfers? I don't think it gets to four, but I think I that think, there, it could get I, to three. I think it could get to three, yeah. I, I think, honestly, I think it's going to come down to what Isaiah Jackson does. And if, exactly. I'm sure some people think, yeah, he's for sure gone. I, I don't believe that. I would lean towards that. Like I, I'm not going to put my neck out and say, oh, Isaiah Jackson's going to come back. I think he's had some behavior that would suggest that he's not totally all in on uh on leaving i think he wants to do the process uh i wouldn't call it the right way i don't know if there's a right or wrong way to do the process i just think he wants to have all of his options and, and know where he truly stands before making a decision if he were to come back i think that would throw a lot 
uh, I guess, a wrench into some plans for some other guys who maybe weren't counting on him being there, and then perhaps you could see a ripple effect from that. Um, only th- problem with that, Sean, though, that scenario is I think it's going to be a little while with Isaiah. I don't know when all that stuff starts. But do you know when the combine is or if they're even having a combine? Or I mean, the draft – now, isn't it as late as July that guys yeah, probably would draw? That's the thing. Like, I just don't know at what point. If you have 10 days prior, like, I think he'll make his – I think a lot of guys will try to have their decisions. I just think college coaches are going to – I mean, you got to let the process play its court, like run its course. I totally get that. But at the same time, I don't think these college coaches want to be going into July wondering what the roster might look like when they start don't they start practicing in September usually like I mean a few things they can do here and there yeah they will though in a normal summer they guys report in June yeah and, <laughs> so and keep talking about uh, <laughs> but one thing I will say about Isaiah Jackson and this is like this is like breathtaking and refreshing to me that you have a kid who we considered to be the best pro prospect on Kentucky's roster all season, right? Like he he passed up B.J. Boston when it came to draft position and Terrence Clark. And he, when he made his decision, Derek, he didn't close the door on it. Right. Like that to me is like, uh, even if he decides to go to the NBA, I think Kentucky fans should at least look at that and think, you know, here's a kid who in a year at Kentucky where it was the worst season anyone can remember. Worse than anything Billy Gillespie ever had at Kentucky. Worse than the NIT year that John Calipari had in 2013. But you have a kid who put himself in a position right now to be a first-round pick, and he wasn't ready to close the door on it. I kind of look at that more as a positive, regardless of what the final decision ends ends up doing. I think Kentucky fans appreciate that. I think they should, and just shows you the. this is not me trying to run down a kid like Clark or or Boston, but I, I, you know, I think they're the kind of guys that fans don't much care for that kind of one and done, where you don't get a whole lot out of them, and and then they don't show any interest in returning, despite how poorly they play. I and mean, again, Clark was hurt, so I'm not. It's more so Boston, I guess, I'm talking about there, where they have some nice games here and there, but overall they don't really affect winning too much, and then they're still out the door as soon as they get the chance. Whereas that's just kind of funny that like Isaiah. Is gonna get, if he does choose to stay in the draft, he's gonna get picked higher than either of those guys. But because he came in with the thought that you know he might be here a couple of years, he's at least you know he might end up hearing what he needs to hear, and he might end up going. But at least I'm just trying to think from a fan perspective. At least you can view that as someone did their due diligence, really felt like they made the best decision for them, and because of that, yeah, like I, I still think Isaiah should go. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> I think he's gonna get picked high enough, and he can develop. Uh, but if he you know, wants to try to play himself into a top five pick, by all means, if that's what you want, that's where your heart is for sure. Come back and try to do that. But I don't know. I think in my opinion, he'll get some kind of guarantee from someone that he'll be a lottery pick. But I think that family is hoping that it, you know, they want it to come from the right place. They don't want it to come from an agent or, or anybody like that. They want it to come from, from NBA front offices or or scouts or whoever, some official people at that level. So I, I definitely tip my hat to that family. And the fact that, you know, Kyle Tucker reported that he's Isaiah's dad is talking to PJ's dad. I mean, there's something all, to it. All, yeah. All that stuff. I mean, you don't just like waste your time doing that unless you, you know, unless you're serious about it. So, and you don't hang out at Woodland park with your boys on the team. Yeah. Uh, if you're just got that two feet out the door. So again, this is not me saying he's going to come back. I, I would still lean towards no, but 
he is someone I think you have to monitor a little bit longer. And depending on what he does, yeah, I could see I could see some more roster shuffling after that. Yeah, and you know a name that I forgot to include in the front court when I was talking about all that a moment ago, Damian Collins. Didn't even mention Damian Collins. So you can kind of see if everyone does come back. You could kind of see it being a little crowded there, and maybe someone decides, hey, this ain't, this isn't for me. So, but that's something, and I'm not going to speculate anything. And I'm also, do I think Kentucky has identified their point guard? Absolutely. I really fully believe that they've identified the guy that they want to add at point guard. But I'm not going to speculate names because we don't even know is it someone that's in the portal? Because we know how quietly things worked with Kellen Grady. Or is it someone who hasn't entered the portal yet? But I think they've identified it. Maybe they obviously they you can't contact before someone's officially in the portal. But I think that they know who they want, Derek. Now it just becomes down to do they get who they want. Uh, and then one thing on the Justin Powell stuff, I know I jumped on the rundown the other day and talked about it um, Saturday. I didn't look at that as a negative thing. We kind of had moved on from that one as well. You and I discussed that it was beginning to look like it wasn't going to be Kentucky. When that didn't work very quickly, it told me he was going to go somewhere else. I think it Kentucky got who they wanted in Kellen Grady, and I think Tennessee got who they wanted Justin Powell. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean – And it came down to consistency, right? Like in just maybe – when you're looking to get what what was Justin what would it fix if the roster had been Devin Askew, Nolan Hickman, Justin Powell, <laughs> Kellen Grady, Dante Allen? I mean, yeah. sure, better shootings there, but who's get who's running the show there? No, I'm totally with you. I mean, I you know, UK fans have this fear, and I I get it from what Chris Lofton did, but like, was there a time where I thought Powell would be a good fit? Yeah, but if the choice, and I know there are some fans who would argue that the choice should not have been one or the other on Kellen Grady and, and Justin Powell, but if Mintz is coming back and, and you're thinking you can get a transfer point guard, I would argue that, yeah, it probably was between those two. And, yes, Kellen Grady played in the Atlantic 10, which is a good league. I mean, it's I think it's a good league. It's not, obviously it's not Power 5 or Big 6 league, whatever you want to call it, when you include the Big East. Um, but he had a track record. He had four years of consistent play and you know what you're getting versus a couple of really, really spectacular games from Justin Powell, but he didn't prove himself against an SEC schedule, you know, for a whole season. And I mean, I don't, I don't know how much this came into play. He, you know, missed almost the entire year with a concussion. So obviously I think he's going to come back fine from that. He's already committed to another school, but like I, I, I would have taken Grady. If that was if those are my two options, just because you know what you're going to get. I mean, he's a older guy. I just think he's going to fit in well with the program. And if and if they had enough spots and they could have taken Powell, then I would have said go for it. Uh, but as it is, I think he'll fit in well at Tennessee. I think he you know he used to play with Kennedy Chandler. That could be a pretty good team next year. I don't know if they'll be as good or on paper. I don't know if they'll be as good as they were supposed to be this year. Obviously, didn't turn out so well. Uh, well, compared to preseason expectations, but no. I think a lot of people's minds will be eased if they get a, an impact point guard, yeah. and I would be stunned if that doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. And as we wrap this thing up here, I do want to say one thing. Vol Twitter, I don't even want to hear about it because I saw on Twitter the other day everybody's like, oh, he, Sean's saying that 
Justin Powell's not or is not as good as Kellen, a guy played in the Atlantic Ten. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. It has no. Like I think they're similar. I just think that when you look at the situation, you had more proof of consistency and success over the course of a four-year career in the A10, a guy who has not had injuries, and then you look at Justin Powell, who the sample size is very, very small. And who knows, Derek, Justin Powell, people say Justin Powell might have been a multi-year guy at Kentucky. We don't know that. You can't assume anybody's a multi-year guy at Kentucky. Absolutely not. So that's just how I look at it. But We wanted to hop on here, record that. Uh, This episode, it was powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. Two locations, one in Pondville, one in Williamsburg. Third location coming to London, Kentucky very soon. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.